It's amazing. Could I have those two um, vases um, on this white table? Can everybody see these? This is, I love this new auditorium. Isn't this wonderful? Uh, why don't you just give the Lord a hand for provi this, his provision? This is amazing. I, I was here a few years ago, and I seem to remember we were all facing the other way, and it was very complicated and not very easy. And, and this is, I'm just jealous. Yeah, no, this is lovely. Praise God. I, I have no reason to be up here at all except um, God's sense of humor. God has a way of taking uh, ordinary people and giving them the privilege and the opportunity of doing something special. I, I've, uh, I was born a rat bag. Um, I, I was definitely born in the outhouse. And I graduated to the dog box. Um, or the dog house, you called it. Yeah, you, that was better. And, and I was stayed there for a long time. Uh, I used to be a rally driver. And um, I was a hoon. This is confession time now. Uh, if you might have met me if you were my age. Um, you might have met me on the road, and I was the one you had to get off the road for. You know, the car coming the other way, on the wrong side of the road, and you had to find a ditch to get out the way. That was me and my mate doing a race. So I'd, I'd, I'm not proud of it. All I can say is I'm proud of the Lord who delivered me from it before I ended my life because um, it was just crazy. But I just, uh, here I am, you know. God, uh, uh, I was a farmer. Um, that's my background. I was born and bred. You can already tell I'm English. Uh, I was born and bred on a farm in England and learned to farm. So milking cows and uh, driving tractors, that's my, my, my background. And, and then God called me. I wasn't going to tell you this story, but it just comes to my mind. How long have I got? There's going to be a long session. I can feel it coming on. No. Uh, God called me to the full-time ministry when I was wiping a cow's bum. <laughs> we had show cows. They were a big deal in England and America. You don't do it so much over here, but we, we took our cows to shows. And when you're showing a cow, you have to clean it up. You have to polish it up, and you put you know, boot polish on its hooves and, and wash it down. And then it, when the cow is all ready to go into the ring, it lifts its tail, and you, you rush to get the, the straw and the prong. And, the, and, of course, then we used to have these big toilet rolls. They were, they were big blue ones like this. And so there, you were, there I was wiping up afterwards, and God speaks to me, and he says, John, do you want to do this for the rest of your life? <laughs> he got me, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he got me. So we, we, we sold the farm and went into ministry. By God's grace, he's taken us all around the world. Life with the Lord is an adventure. You, you can't say more than that. And, and it just gets better. Everything you, you give your life to, 
With the Lord, it's an adventure because you don't know what's going to happen next. You jump in and say, Lord, I'm yours, and you do with me what you want to do, and you have no idea how it's going to work out. The only thing you know is that God is good, and God is not going to let you down, and he's not going to spoil your life or waste your life. Uh, We can do that, but he won't. So when we put our hearts and our lives into his hands, uh, the, the greatest adventure on earth starts. The adventure of faith. Because faith is doing what you know you can't as though you can. And you know you can't do it. But you step out and do it. And, and that's when God t- turns up and, and it works. And you're going, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And as a result of that, over the years, we've seen literally uh, thousands of people that God has healed through our ministry, through our hands. Um, we've seen people who have been paralyzed for years uh, get up and, and walk around. We've seen blind eyes open and deaf ears unstopped. And um, just it just goes on and on and on what God is doing when you surrender your life to Him. So I want to talk to the VIPs in this house who are the ones who have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. And you're, you're our VIPs this morning. And I want to talk especially to you. Is that okay? And I want to begin with a couple of scriptures which... Uh, actually, they are a bit, bit bizarre. So 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. Uh, that sentence is crazy. Jesus Christ was chosen before the creation of the world. God's plan of salvation was in his head and in his heart before he even made light. It was all there at the very beginning. That plan was already there. This is another amazing thing. The Bible says that you were in his mind before the creation of the world. What does that mean? Is that God already had you planned before this whole thing started. Not only that, but he knew that you and I would stuff up, and he still made us. Don't you get that? Don't you think that the love of God is so great? We, we'll never get our heads around it. That, that you, he made you and I before he had it in his head, before he started creation, and then he starts creation, and it all goes pear-shaped. I'll come to that in a minute. And we stuff up, and Jesus is sent to redeem the whole thing, to sort it all out. And he had that plan from the beginning. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't plan B. I was, we would, my wife and I were driving down the road the other day, and we came behind one of these um, uh, uh, Winnebago thingies, um, what do you call them, Caravan. camper van, thank you, I knew there was a word for it, and, uh, and, and, and you know, some of them 
people have things written on them, and this one had Plan B. I thought, I love that. It just tells a whole story. <laughs> Jesus was not God's Plan B. Jesus was God's Plan A. He only had one plan, that was Jesus. You and Jesus, that was God's plan. One more scripture. 1 John 1 verse 7. That means something to those who know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, it's meaningless, but it doesn't matter. What matters is the words. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, these two scriptures talk about blood cleaning us. And it, that doesn't seem... That doesn't seem a very likely prospect. You know, when you, when you get all, you hurt yourself, you get blood all over you, the first thing you do is wash it off. Isn't that true? It, how can blood clean us? And I, I want to answer that question this morning. When God made the earth, the first two people he put on it were Adam and Eve. It didn't take very long before they sinned. And then the next story we read in the next chapter is Adam and Eve had sons called Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel uh, grew up, and God wanted them to uh, offer worship to him, and Cain offered a bad one, and Abel offered a good one, and Cain got jealous and killed his brother Abel. So right from the very beginning of the story, we get, we get bloodshed. And then Cain had a son who had a son who had a son, sort of down the three or four generations. We come to a guy called Lamech. Lamech believed in vengeance. And he said, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, 77. Vengeance is the most ridiculous thing because as soon as you have avenged the person who hurt you, you become the victim of the next one. So all you do by avenging is make yourself a victim. And the cycle continues. It's dumb. I mean, how dumb is that? The good news is forgiveness breaks the cycle. Forgiveness breaks the cycle of vengeance. But the consequence of vengeance was one scripture or one truth that's embedded in in Scripture from way back, and that is this. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And that's been embedded in truth and, and justice. When one dies, another must die. So here we find ourselves with this issue That we find ourselves the sons and daughters of a messed up generation 
of people, and it started right at the beginning. We are the sons and daughters of murderers uh, and people who have shed blood. And you might say, well, well actually, I'm, I'm not much of a sinner. I, 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 and this is before I was saved. This is what I used to think. I thought, well, you know, I'm not too bad a guy. I'm all right. I've done a few things, but, you know. Can I prove that we're all sinners? Is, can I do this? Is that right? Is, you, you ready for this? You, are you ready? <laughs> if you know that it's wrong to steal, put up your hand. Keep it up high. Hold it up high. Keep it up high. Every hand high. Good man. Good man. Good woman. If you've never stolen anything in all your life, you can put your hand down. Just have a quick look around. Look at my hand. Look at Pastor's hand. There are one or two hands down. Pastor, you've got a house full of thieves. And the ones where the hands down are liars. We're all sinners. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. I said we were going to talk about blood. We will shed our blood. And we stand before the judgment seat of God. And we will all, whether we believe him or not, we will all stand before Jesus. How can blood clean us? A few years ago, I was driving across uh, a river in India. I visited India many times. And I noticed a group of ladies down in the river washing their clothes. And I, I just felt sorry for them because the river was stinky. I mean, it was, you know, you kind of had to hold your nose crossing the bridge. Some of you have probably experienced that in these countries. And I, I just thought, you know, those poor ladies, they're working really hard to get the clothes clean. They will never get their clothes cleaner than the river. And then God gave me a revelation. Oh, my goodness. I suddenly saw something. Look. Oh, I was going to use my clean handkerchief. I've got a dirty one, and I've got a clean one. Let's just say this is the dirty river. And some, literally, some rivers in, in uh, th these countries look like that. If I wash a clean handkerchief in a dirty river, what happens? Dirty handkerchief. If I wash a dirty handkerchief in a clean river, what happens? Clean handkerchief. 
And then I realized it doesn't matter how dirty the handkerchief is as long as the water is clean. Are you with me? But if the water is dirty, it doesn't matter how clean the handkerchief is, it's not going to work. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, in order for forgiveness to take place, there must be shedding of blood, but for it to work, it cannot be polluted blood. It must be perfect blood. You see, you see where I'm going with this? The Bible says, the verse that we've just read, The precious blood of Christ. He's the only one that's described as having precious blood. Jesus Christ had precious blood. Why? Because it was perfect. First of all, because he never sinned. It says here, a lamb without blemish or, per, or, or defect. So he had no defect. He had no injuries. He was, he was perfect. Therefore, because he never sinned, he was never corrupted. But you might, you might say, well, hang on a minute, wasn't he born? He, he was born. So if the, if the corruption carries down the generations, as it does, then, then how did that work? Ah, I've got an answer for you there. Because this is where my farming uh, background helps. Sorry, I, I just like to move around. Is that okay? That's why I like one of these. Um, we used to, we used to, as I've already told you, we used to show cows, and one of the things that we used to do to improve the genetics of the cows was to use embryo transfer. Some of you farmers may know what I'm talking about, but what we would do, we would, we would fertilize uh, a really, really, really good cow with a really, really, really good bull. We'd spend a lot of money on that. In fact, nowadays you can buy you can buy the fertilized embryos, uh, and they're expensive. They come out of the best genetics. And you can take one of those, a frozen embryo, and place it in a very, very ordinary cow. And if you get your timing right, uh, nine and a half, ten months later, the cow will produce this very ordinary, ugly cow will produce a perfectly beautiful offspring. Now I'm talking about Jesus. Because the Bible is very, very careful to tell us how Mary got pregnant. Because it says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. So Jesus did not inherit any genetics at all from Joseph or from Mary, who were um, his, his natural parents. He inherited all his genetics from the Lord. Therefore, his genetics were perfect. Do you see why this is so important? So that, therefore, the blood of Jesus was pure and perfect, totally uncorrupted, and therefore, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can wash away our sin. Nothing else will do it. That's why the sacrifices of animals and all of the, 
works and religions that we invent to try to get away. Everybody knows deep down in their heart that the root cause of our problems is sin. We just don't like to admit it. But you've already confessed that you're a sinner, so good on you. This is the solution. The pure, perfect blood of Jesus Christ is the only way to wash away your sin. Nothing else will work. So how do we apply it? How do we actually get our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and not by the mess of good works or religion or all the other inventions of mankind because they're polluted? Jesus is pure and perfect. How do we do it? One day, a man came to a preacher and he said, Preacher, if the blood of Jesus takes away sin, and you say that the blood of Jesus has been around for 2,000 years, why is there still so much sin? And the preacher looked at him for a, a few moments, and he said, Sir, Soap has been around for 2,000 years also, but there's a lot of dirty people. If you want to know what soap can do, you have to apply it to yourself. He said, you can even live and work in a soap factory and still not be clean. You have to apply it, otherwise it doesn't work. It's all right. <laughs> I applied it. <laughs> I used to be, as I say, I used to be a hoon. And one day we were barreling down a road at full speed, and I came around a bend and there was a big sign up which said, no road. And we put on the anchors and we stopped just before the sign. And I got out because I, kind of, I was a rebel in those days. And believe me, I would have ignored the sign if there had been a road there. So I got out and had a look. And the sign was absolutely right. The road had gone, and there was just a cliff, and we would, have, we would have died if we'd gone on. It was just a big hole, and the whole road had slipped away. So what did we do? We turned around and found another route. That's actually quite a good illustration of the word repentance. It, repentance is an old-fashioned word that we don't like to use very much. What it literally means is to turn around. And I want to, as I said from the beginning, I want to talk to those of you that have not yet given your life to Jesus. Because I want to tell you that there is a sign up saying no road. And the danger is that if we ignore the signs and continue on our 
in our stubborn way, uh, we'll reap the consequences. There is no road down the route that we travel if we're not traveling with Jesus. Because the Bible says that he, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him would not perish. You see, if we go past the no road sign, unfortunately, we perish. That's the road that so many people are on. And if you have not given your life to Jesus, sadly, that's the road that you are also on. My job this morning is to, is to be the no road sign. That's, that's what I'm here to do, is to say, no road. Please turn around. And the good news is this. Having turned around, we've been rescued from that. That's good news. The bad news is, if our heart hasn't changed, we will then try and find another road ourselves. And guess what? We'll meet another no road sign. That doesn't work either. Uh, believe me, I've tried that. I'll tell you a story of a friend of mine. True story. He was an Indian pastor, and he, this was his testimony. He was raised uh, in a Hindu family, and he was hungry for God all his life, ever since he was a small child. And he, they, 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 because he was Hindu, he went off into the temples, and, and uh, he, he really just never found God there. He didn't like it. And so then he was adopted by a Muslim man, and the Muslim man took him to the mosque, and that was fine until the Muslim man started to abuse him. And that didn't work. So then he, one day he went down to the beach, or then he became, I, sh I should have said he became a gang leader. And uh, he, he told me I used to go around breaking heads. He was a bad man. And one day he was down on the beach, desperate for God, and he cried out for, to God, you must be there, but I want to know you. And he got his gang, he'd heard there was a, a Christian meeting coming, and he got his gang because they were going to go and break up the Christian meeting and, and, you know, do what gangs do. And so he came to, into the Christian meeting, stood at the back of the meeting, and, and waited for his gang members to turn up, but they never did. So he was standing there on his own at the back. And then the preacher pointed him out at the back of the crowd and said, young man under the tree, you need to give your life to Jesus. And he began to cry. And he came to the front. He gave his life to Jesus. Surrendered his life. And became a pastor of a thousand or biggest, big, in fact, he's a pastor of a movement now in South India. He went from breaking heads to changing thousands of lives. And there's a word in that story that I want to finish with, and that's this word, because I believe that this is the key, which we often miss when we're talking about coming to Jesus, and that's the word surrender.
You know, I used to, as I say, when I was driving, I used to think that I was pretty good at driving, and therefore I used to think that I was pretty good at driving my life. One day, God tapped me on the shoulder and asked for the keys. He said, John, I can actually make a better job of your life than you can. And I was going through a bit of a rough patch at the time, so <laughs> he'd put me in that corner, you know, where, where you think, oh, well, something's got to happen. And God said, well, don't you think I can do this job better than you can? And I, and I remember surrendering my life to him. We forget that word, but it's very, very important because that's the moment that it changes. The Bible says, he who calls on the Lord shall be saved. When we call on him, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender. You can do this better than me. My life belongs to you. That surrender is the moment when we change. And, and it's not enough just to turn around. We have to surrender. It's not enough just to listen to the no road sign or listen to the preacher. We actually have to make a choice, make a decision to surrender. When you've made a decision to surrender, your life will change. And ever since then, I've been on an adventure with Jesus, which has been uh, absolutely amazing. Let's just close our eyes. Because I want to give those that want to respond to my message an opportunity to respond in with a bit of privacy. So I'm just going to ask you, everyone, to have their eyes closed to honor the privacy of the others around. There are people here I know who have not yet surrendered to Jesus. You may have been coming to church for months or even years. doesn't matter your age. What matters is the position of your heart. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? And if you haven't, I want to ask you to do it now. And if that's, if that's you, please, I urge you, don't ignore the no road sign but surrender to Christ. If that's you, just please raise your hand good and high so that I can see it. Anyone else? Don't, uh, don't be shy. I do want you to thank you. Thank you. you can put your hand down. Anyone else? I'm sure there are some here who are really fighting with that decision to make surrender now to Jesus. Some of you may have been believers for a while, but you've never really made that choice to surrender, give it all up to Him. Would you also please raise your hands? Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray together. Please repeat these words after me. 
Lord Jesus, I have heard your word. I believe you died on the cross to take away my sin. Wash me clean now. You make me a child of God. You make me pure. You make me righteous. Thank you that I am now yours. I surrender my life to you. From now on, you may drive my life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can live the life you want me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I don't know you, and I'm a visiting speaker. If you have raised your hand, please don't leave without making yourself known to Pastor John or one of the other pastors, or there's a um, slip of paper. Um, we would like you. I'll, I'll, I'll let John finish that off. I'm going to be here for those of you um, that would like some ministry for healing because that's what we do. I love to heal the sick. So I'll be here. Um, I'll hand over to John while um, he can explain what happens next. <laughs>